I guess the first the first question to you before we get started. Wait, is it, are we started? We're starting. No, we're we're starting. First question, number one. No, hold on, Mike, Mike, you gotta do the it's intro it. first. You gotta do an intro. First. I gotta do an intro. You gotta I'll, do the I'll, intro. I wanted this is like the pre, like you know, we banter a bit. It's like radio, we talk, and then we like, oh shit, we've been live for fifteen minutes. Okay. Oh my gosh, you guys, you bamboozled, you bamboozled me. <laughs> Ricardo, first things first, before we kick things off, is there politics in jujitsu? Of course. <laughs> there has to be. There has to be. Well, there's politics in anything. If there's, if there's power, if there's money, if there's ego and arm bars, there's going to be politics. You can't. It's it's inevitable. There's not. There's no. You know, uh, only heaven is perfect. You know what I mean? Like we don't have that here. We're on earth. So at the end of the day, like you know, there's going to be egos involved. There's going to be opinions involved. So there's always going to be politics. You know what I mean? And the the problem is, I think like. There's a the constant debate on what's good for the sport and what we can do here and what's allowed and what's the culture's created here. And that's the, that's what people constantly disagree over. You know, um, you know, I think Tony and, and a lot of other guys from OJ, they know what we're allowed to do is what we're allowed to do necessarily the best for the sport. I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I think the, I think there's some other things that people want to see. And I think um, they, ha- they should have the right to, to see those things through. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, there's, there's politics in jiu-jitsu, like not just in Canada, not just in Ontario, man, you have no idea what happens outside of Canada. Like it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like my day to day is dealing with jiu-jitsu politics. You guys don't understand. You know what I mean? <laughs> So oh, we'll jump into that, but uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's kick this off officially. This is the Choking Hazard podcast sponsored by Nope. Oh, wait, we have a sponsor, Aaron. We have our, oh, who, our very first sponsor. We are, we've, uh, I've been working uh, diligently in the background for the last several weeks and we've landed our first official sponsor. That is CanadianProtein.com for all your supplement needs. If you're sick and tired of looking like Aaron Gal. You're going to go to canadianprotein.com. You're going to log in. You're going to pick up some whey protein, not the soy boy protein that Aaron Gall takes. We want the real stuff. You're going to go in. You're going to use the promo code CHOKE. You're going to get yourself 10% off all your supplement needs. That's www. Well, you don't even need www anymore, but canadianprotein.com. Promo code CHOKE. You get 10% off. Let's kick this off, Aaron. All right, it's the last time you're doing a promo. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so, Ricardo, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Choking Houses podcast. How things been over there? Uh, pretty good. I'm in Hamilton, you know, not too far away from you guys. Um, you know, yeah, mean streets of Hamilton, Ontario. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. I feel sorry for you. Uh, some days I do too, but, uh, you know, make the best of the situation we have here. Hamilton's good. You know, you, you guys in Toronto are out there protesting and spreading Corona, but we're just keeping quiet, you know, and everything seems to be, um, just keep it quiet. Yeah. We just, we want to enjoy, you know, our, our life. So we're not, we're not causing any mischief out there on the streets like you guys, but you know, things are going good in Hamilton. Jiu-Jitsu kind of is back. Um, you know, unfortunately the club I train at had a little bit of a flooding situation. So we're, yeah, a little bit of a delay. There was a huge uh, rainstorm here and the entire street got flooded. So, uh, we got another week or so before we can get back to, you know, the weird kind of training that's allowed 
currently, but um, you know, life is good, healthy. No one that I know has COVID or Corona. No one's died from it. I know a bunch of guys that got it and beat it. So that's good. Um, so all's good on my end. How are you guys doing? We're good. We've been, like you doing said, awesome. like we've been keeping busy. We started this up, but um, I wanted to, like, you've been like throughout the mainstream, just kind of starting up a new podcast. You've been constantly on everybody's social, pushing your content. You've had a lot of people through your website and everything. Like how, like, does that just kind of like something that you just came out of the fly or you had been doing that before, especially during the quarantine time or. Um, so I've always kind of thought about doing a podcast and, um, I think when the, you know, everything kind of got started with the COVID, I was just like, Hey, why not? So I was already, uh, co-hosting a show with flow grappling. And then it just, you know, there was just too many guys in the podcast. So we just kind of like felt it was best to just scale back a bit. I started my own podcast, um, just with guys that I've, you know, known, helped train with and met over the years. And then um, since then, you know, the guys at Flow asked me to start another one for them, gave me my own show, which was cool. Um, so I've been kind of running two podcasts. I kind of slowed down on my own a little bit because it's just, man, it's, it gets to be too much. But uh, yeah, I just try to stay busy, you know, no jujitsu training, try to keep the, the, the mind stimulated best I can by, you know, talking to other black belts and, and talking about the stories of jujitsu and analyzing techniques and breaking down stuff. So that's kind of how it always got started. I always thought about doing it for honestly, like for years, but I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't know anyone that would want to hear what the bullshit I have to say. You know what I mean? But then I started seeing other people. Like I saw you guys. So I was like, all right, so I can't be that bad. So <laughs> I, I can do this easily. <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, you guys are doing a great job. It's cool. But I was I like, it. yeah, I just, you know, I, 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 I didn't think anyone would want to listen. And I, I kind of put it out there on social. I was like, Hey, would you guys, would anyone be interested? And then, you know, they started to pick up and had some great guests like Hodger Gracie and Leo Vieira, Damian Maya. Um, you know, it, it's kind of cool because it became like a domino effect. Like the more guys I got, the more people reached out. And then the more people were like, oh, hey, do you want me to reach out to this person? I'm like, sure. So it just uh, kind of took off. And yeah, that's, that's about it. Very nice. Uh, so you have your own. So, so I want to ask, like, this is a two-part question. Number one. So you have a relationship established with Flow Grappling, and how did that? I want to ask, like, how did that begin? And then you got your own solo podcast, which I think is fantastic. That's actually something I'm looking to do because I need to ditch Aaron because he's an anchor, just dragging me down episode after episode. So how do I get my own show? Well, I mean, so first things first with the Flow Grappling thing, I, I basically um, in 2015 I was I was working with some other event promotions. I've I've been working with. I'm sure, you know, Mike, you know, more, maybe more than Aaron. I've been working with different promotions for a long time. Um, my, I love jujitsu. I love trying to be involved in like the biggest events and I love promoting jujitsu, you know? So um, I started commentating in 2009. Um, I even ran my own invitationals. I'm sure Tony actually mentioned it, yep. although he, he, he misinformed you guys of why I stopped. But anyways, um, so we, I, you know, I started commentating in 2009 and um yeah, I just, you know, I started doing a bunch of different events. I got into Copa Podio in Brazil, you know, a bunch of different events. And then uh, 2015, uh, the guys at Flow asked me to go commentate some events for them, uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam in Rio, and then some other, I can't remember what was the other event, and then I fight to win, actually. And then uh, we just sort of established a relationship. I was kind of coming on as a, a commentator, 
And then uh, I started working as like a contributor, um, you know, creating media, then, you know, even kind of somewhat of a consultant uh, position with them as well. And, um, you know, things kind of progressed from there. I just kind of stayed on. I kept creating content, um, you know, doing breakdowns and history pieces and then, you know, doing the shows that they want me to be on and analysis and more commentary and more commentary and more travel. And then, yeah, it just kind of led me to where I, I am. And then my podcast, I just, like I said before, I just something I always wanted to do. And, you know, I think the, I think the thing is, is that everyone thinks like, oh man, like Joe Rogan just signed for like gazillion dollars on Spotify. So, you know, that's the goal. But I think the thing is you gotta, you gotta understand like, like what you guys are doing, you guys are committed. You guys are doing it weekly. You're grinding. Not every podcast is going to have a million views. Some of them are going to have five. Some of them are going to have 5,000. Some are going to have 500,000. But the thing is you just got to stay consistent. And um, that was, I, I, I didn't want to do it until I realized that I was ready to be consistent. And I felt that there was a need in the sport. So when I started to do my own podcast for myself, which is the Ricardo Blea BGJ podcast, I, I wanted to kind of explore something that, you know, the guys at flow weren't necessarily doing, which was more talking about like the old school guys, the legends of the sport, uh, more storytelling as opposed to like sitting there looking at grips on a barren bolo. But then I, I, you know, I went and did more of like a, a breakdown analysis type podcast for them, which seems to be taken off. And, you know, I've had some great guests there too, like Marcelo Garcia. I just had Fabio Gugel. So it's been, it's been fun, man. And, you know, like I said, it, it's a long thing. You got to look, you got to really want to do it long haul. And you want, you have to understand that like you're doing it for a purpose and the purpose can't just be self-satisfying. It's to service the community. And that's why I try to do it. I know a lot of people, whenever I travel, they hit me up and they're like, when they see me, they're like, man, I love it when you tell the stories of jujitsu. So that's kind of one of the reasons I, I do the podcast is just kind of get a lot of storytelling, but like having the, the, the actual athletes or the stars or legends tell their stories. And I just kind of cue them along the way. So that's, that's kind of it for me. Does that answer your question? No, that's a, that's a really good, I liked your perspective on it. So like when you look at like the story, like even like when you got started into BJJ, like how did that manifest for yourself? So um, my father was a karate black belt. Uh, when, when, before I was born, he was teaching karate here at McMaster university. So I'd never seen his dojo or anything, but like I see pictures of him teaching like 300 students at Mac. And I was just like, Oh my God. So growing up, I always had this like, wanting to be somewhat involved in martial arts seed planted in my head. Um, and then I, I, you know, I, I discovered Bruce Lee, you know, before I was a teenager and I thought Kung Fu was the shit. I tried to look for a JKD Academy, couldn't find it. So I found a Wing Chun Academy. It did a couple weeks there. Uh, and then I was like, well, it's kind of lame. Like there's no sparring. I don't feel like Bruce Lee. I'm wearing black pants and a tank top, but I still couldn't pull it off. So then I, I saw um, Jocelyn's karate here in the city um, super well-known academy. They started teaching grappling classes. And around that time, that's when the UFC started. And um, I was like, okay. So I started the karate and I was like, no, nah, I'll try this grappling stuff. And I did, you know, I did pretty good in the karate, like point karate, just like, I think I got to like yellow balls or something, but then I, it was just like, it just felt so weird. Like you, it was like a game of tag, you know? And then at the time when grappling started at that time, we didn't know the point system. So in my head, it was like, if you tap the guy, you win. If you don't, you lose. So I was like, well, that's a better way of fighting. And, and then I saw, you know, UFC three on pay-per-view and I was like, Oh man, I'm sold. So um, that's kind of how I started. I started training at Jawsons and I was like, uh, you know, Jeff's regular training partner. 
Um, you know, I got all the way to uh, brown belt training with them and with the guys at Alliance Jiu Jitsu. Um, you know, training with Jeff. I was, you know, one of the he's one of the greatest talents Canada has ever seen for Jiu Jitsu. One of the best coaches. Uh, one of the best fighters that you know could have been as well. Um, that's kind of how I got started. You know, um, is mostly through. Yeah, my dad's a little bit of influence, and then you know, seeing the UFC, you know, it's long before uh, Baron Bolos and uh, leg drags. It was all about Hoist Gracie and ponytails. <laughs> so true. So, like, especially like as you as a guy who's seen Canadian talent, so like, especially guys like Jeff Jocelyn, especially all those old Jocelyn tournaments that used to happen, and so you see the game slowly evolving, kind of like in front of you. We're like, like, what's that experience like? As you just kind of see like things just move forward, especially at a high level that you're seeing it at. Yeah, it's cool because like I get to see uh, and commentate, um, you know, the stuff out there like for the highest level guys, like at ADCC, World Pro, and all these other events. And then I, you know, I, I, I get like I get to double down because I get to come back and like you know practice that stuff, teach that stuff to the academy to my students. And then, you know, see how it plays out in competitions here. I will admit, I haven't been to a local competition in a little while. Man, I got three kids. I got really busy travel schedules, so I just haven't had the time. I think the last one was uh, the World Pro Trials that uh, George was doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the game changes all the time. Man. It's all trends, you know what I mean? And I think with the popularity of, of you know, certain individuals and athletes, you start to see influences in the game worldwide. You know, obviously, like Delahiva Guard, Reverse Delahiva Barambola was the shit for a while. Um, now, obviously, you know, Nogi is starting to come back, and we're starting to see everyone, you know, think that they they can strap on an English accent and they're John Danaher, and you know what I mean. <laughs> so it's like the trends happen, you know, and and it's I think the the, the cool part that I have in life, the, I'm pretty blessed that I get to to see all the trends, and my literal job is to analyze, watch, and study it, and then you know, I get paid to do that. And then also I can go back and take that information and feed it to my students, whether they appreciate it or not. I don't know, but I get to do that and I love doing it. Uh, let's go through actually a lot of like the organizations and the tournaments, some of which that you've, uh, you've organized locally, but even internationally, like when did you start like, you know, getting, getting involved, I guess, in the business side of jujitsu, like, you know, like you, you had your own, like, I think you had your own store in Hamilton at one point. You've yeah. run, you've run like super fight shows. You've done, I think everything. I think on the side of business when it comes to jiu-jitsu, you've done pretty much everything except like open up your own gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, basically, you know, being a student of Jeff's, they used to run the uh, Jawsons Grappling Tournament. So that was kind of my first um, foray into, you know helping out tournaments so you know being a scorekeeper being a referee even though i was you know not qualified to do so uh being an organizer being a promoter i got all, i kind of cut my teeth just working with jeff and his dad through the tournament um and then you know around 2004 uh you know uh, yeah 2004 i started to see more super fight shows kind of pop up in the states and then i was like you know what uh, I want to do something like that. You know, there, I, I felt like there was, there's something missing here in Canada. Still think there is, but there's something missing that, you know, to showcase the local Canadian scene talent and bring some international recognition to the Canadian scene. So in 2004, I ran the uh, Ontario submission wrestling invitational. It was like, you know, I guess what's it called? Like the sub sub uh, thing that Tony runs sub 
Canadian Submission Expo or Sub-X for short. Yeah, yeah, Sub-X. So so it was like that, but it was like the original one. And uh, basically in 2004, I did that. And it had like, you know, local guys. I had Marco Costa fight on it. Uh, I did I did four events. I actually had GSP fight on the third one. And uh, he won. I did like an eight-man and he won like the Grand Prix. It was really cool. Wow. Sure enough, um, three months after that, he got invited to ADCC. And the, I, what I heard was is because of all the exposure, at the time there was a website called onthemat.com. And yep. I, you know, I used to write for them as well. So I used to do a, a ton. I used to run the event and then I would write the own article with the results and a recap of the event to kind of try to help the guys here in Canada. And uh, I heard that GSP, like, you know, winning that event kind of, you know, the, the people at ADCC were like, Oh, okay. He's a recognized grappler as well. So they gave him an invite, which is pretty cool. And then I did, uh, I did four events. Like I, I had Jeff against Fabio Holanda, um, spider against Fabio Holanda. I had a lot of, you know, good fights. Zavarish Fia fought, uh, uh, Rodrigo Munduruka. Um, you know, I, my goal was to try to, you know, start locally with the first one only. And then the second, third, fourth was to bring guys from out of province, out of the country to come and, and get a little more recognition. So that was when I did my own events. So 2004, I started going to Brazil 2000, you know, I, I would go there every summer. Uh, I married my wife 2005 in Brazil. And then, um, 2006, I came back from Brazil and I was like, man, like I, I wanted to just, you know, do something for myself in jujitsu. So I was either going to like start a fight camp or like a, a jujitsu camp in Brazil. I had it all like everything lined up or I was going to open up a fight shop because at the time my friends from on the mat just started opening up fight stores. And I was like, man, like I think I might open like an OTM fight shop in Canada. But then I was like, you know what? No one really knows at that time, well, OTM fight shop, like the guys in my city in Hamilton, no one would know what OTM fight shop is. I can open up anything and call it a fight store and sell products and they'll come. So <laughs> Ricardo, just, Aminolia's yeah, uh, business. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, guards, please. Yeah. So, so 2006, I, I opened up uh, Canada's first uh, and probably, you know, most recognized at the time uh, fight shop, uh, which was called Fight Planet. So I ran mm-hmm. that until 2012 and then i sold it in 2012 but while that was happening um you know of course you know having a shop you want to go to all the tournaments you want to sell your stuff you want to you know i was sponsoring local athletes so it's funny because sometimes i talk to the you know some of the some of the guys and they're like oh man how come we don't you know come and support the local scene i'm like do you realize how long I did that shit for here? You know, I'm not trying to sound too cocky, but I put a yeah. lot of money into the market in this place, you know? So it's funny, but anyways, you know, I, I, my whole goal is, is like, you know, working with the big events out there and, and I'm trying to cultivate um, stuff here. And then, you know, I just got really busy these last years kind of working uh, outside of Canada. But um, yeah, I started working with events like uh, the Abu Dhabi pro. I helped Fabio Londa run that 2009 uh, I started working with, um, you know, Grappler's Quest, which was, you know, super, you know, at the time, Grappler's Quest was more popular than IBGGF. And I was helping them come to Canada because I met Brian and Brian used to bring the promoter of Grappler's Quest. He used to bring me out to to Vegas and Boston to commentate the super fights, which, were, which was amazing. So I helped him come to Canada to do the events. Some of them were awesome. Some of them were kind of a shit show. 
But at the end of the day, the idea was the same as, you know, bringing something from America that was famous to Canada to kind of cultivate the scene. And that was my, my only ambition, you know, and, you know, I was met with a lot of resiliency, like local politics, you know, showed its ugly face. I had guys at which will remain nameless walking behind me, tearing down Grappers Quest posters, which kind of sucked because it's like, you know, it just doesn't not good for anyone um so you know that happened grapplers quest kind of dropped off and then uh, i got hired to work with five grappling helped uh them with a lot of their marketing efforts and helped them bring their events here to canada twice and you know they had some really cool super fights and they actually brought some big names here um you know to come compete guys like michael liera james popolo um, uh, you know, Keenan was originally was supposed to come and then they actually had the seminar with Marcelo Garcia, Shanji and Hinata Laranja. So I might, you know, I, again, I was just trying to do something really cool and different, um, in Canada. I also, in 2010, uh, I ran the Canadian ADCC qualifiers for the North American trials, but again, you know, local politics just, you know, kind of reared its ugly face. Once again, you're going to notice a theme with what I have to say, but um, it it unfortunately did. And it happens. It's not, you know, anyone's fault or anything, but it just shit happens. But yeah, that's kind of, you know, I I did that. Then I started working with Copodio 2013, uh, going out to commentate, helping the promotion. And then uh, 2015, you know, kind of started working, doing stuff with flow grappling and just kind of, you know, stuck to that since. And, you know, I teach, at uh well i was teaching before covid at pure jiu-jitsu but um classes are a little bit cut back but i've been at pure jiu-jitsu since it opened in 2009 uh with professor pg o'sullivan uh he's a really great guy really nice guy a lot of people know him in the community and um that's pretty much it you know i've just been grinding still grinding still trying to figure out something that i want to do here in canada talking to some local guys about maybe doing some um you know adcc type uh, events maybe to get some qualifiers, but I have a feeling we may have to do those out in like Vancouver or something or somewhere other than Ontario, just so uh, we can maximize the potential support. Nice. That's awesome. You've been involved in pretty much everything that doesn't involve running a school. One thing I wanted to ask you, just, I think um, what, what advice would you give to somebody who's like somebody like me or Aaron, who like wants to start a podcast. Cause you're doing that right now. Or somebody who wants to open up like, you know, like a fight shop business or like run a tournament or run a super fight show or, you know, just what advice would you give people who just want to get involved into kind of like the business side, I guess, of jujitsu. I mean, you got to do your homework, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when, um, you know, when people tell you like about getting married, right. They say, you'll, you'll never actually be totally ready. You just got to do it. You know what I mean? So you got to just kind of, you know, go in, but you got to do a little bit of homework when it comes to like opening a shop or, or running an event, you can't be totally blind, but you gotta, you gotta kind of have the butt, the the balls and the nuts to kind of go for it. You know, if you wait too long, the opportunity is going to pass. So I would definitely say, you know, do the research, take good advice from people who've been doing it. Um, Try not to piss off or burn, you know, piss off people or burn bridges in the pot in in the process. But um, you know, as far as the podcast, just, just go for it. You know what I mean? You guys are doing it already. You guys are kind of doing something cool. I think like what you got to do though, is like, um, like what I like what you guys are doing is, is like, you're kind of finding your niche and which is like the Canadian market. And I think that that's something that Canada has been kind of lacking. Everyone's got to kind of find their niche somewhere in the industry in a small niche that it is. Right. But in their small niche of jujitsu, there's all these other small niches. No one's really cultivating from a media perspective, in my opinion, the Canadian scene. So if you guys can do that and be the voice 
of the Canadian scene and, you know, talk to local promoters and maybe start branching out to other people from different provinces. I think you guys are, are in a good position to take that role. You know, I, I really do. Cause you guys are doing it um, pretty honest. You know, you're not like, you're not, you don't have any hidden agendas other than when you started the show with me earlier. But um, I think like you guys, are, <laughs> you guys, no, it's, it's, you know, you guys are doing cool things, you know, people like it. Um, you guys are very respectful and you can see it's coming from a good, good place. And I think that that's, you know, that resonates with people. Right. So you just got to try, you just got to go for it, you know, and as far as the podcast, as far as getting in the business of jujitsu, um, you know, as far as promoting events, promoting events is, it's a tough one, you know, again, like you just got to try it. My best advice is, is, um, don't think that you're going to make the million on one show. You got to be in it for the long haul. And if you're oh, not yeah. in it for the There's long haul. so much money in promoting super fight shows. You know that, right? So much well, money. The thing is, well, I'll be honest with you. It's 2020. You're, you're, it's 2020. How many bedrooms does your house have? 17, 18, 19? <laughs> 20. But um, the thing is, it's 2020. Times are changing. Jiu-Jitsu is more popular than ever. So there is an appeal for super fight shows. In Canada, I don't know because the market's a little unique and special here but we'll get to that later but i just think that as far as promoting and doing things you look at look at fernando zulik perfect example okay fernando i don't know if you guys were even doing jiu-jitsu at the time but in 2009 fernando started his first event super small i don't know 150 200 people i was there sponsoring him and i was like shit fernando whatever you do you're passionate guy i'll support you now look at him you know he didn't make it all in that first event 2009 it was nothing it was it looked like you know rinky dink right but he tried his best and the key is he went out tried number one number two learned from his mistakes right three he did his homework he was going to all the tournaments you know he was getting he was working with five grappling learning what they were doing picking up some information there he was going to all the ibjgf events he was refereeing and then the biggest thing is he was putting face-to-face time at a lot of the academies again something that not a lot of people want to do a lot of people see the glorious side of promoting events. They see, they, they sit there and they do some like uneducated mathematical equations. They're like, okay, well, thousand competitors times, you know, 150 bucks. So that I'm going to be a millionaire. You know what I mean? But it's like, they don't think about the sweat equity. They don't, if you, they don't calculate all the hours that you got to put in making the poster, changing divisions, dealing with the pain in the ass parents. There's so much more than just like, the math that you think is going to be there, you have to value that as well. That's time equity, that's sweat equity that, that goes into it. You can't depreciate that too. So it's, it's a grind, man. And you got to be willing to do it the long haul. This is a unique tournament because um, it's open. So he gets a lot more competitors. So it's different than like a super fight show right now. Super fight shows um, with COVID. It's a little different, but you know, I deal with super fight shows all the time. Some of them uh, believe and try to convince me they're going to be the next best, you know, biggest thing. And, you know, whatever, but some are very humble and some start small and some grow. And then some, um, you know, some of the other pro, not super fight shows, but leagues, they are fortunately financed by like, you know, the, the UAE and stuff like that. So they have a totally different agenda. They're not necessarily doing it to make money. They're just doing it to spread jujitsu. And you'll notice when you do things just for like a positive note to spread jujitsu, you actually you grow bigger, you get more positivity coming back, you know, from it, as opposed to just coming off as like a guy that's just trying to make money. People see through that, you know? So, um, 
I kind of rambled there, but that's kind of my advice for, for people that want to get into the industry. I don't know. Does that answer your question, guys? Sorry. Those are fantastic yeah. rambles. <laughs> no, 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 it answered the question, but I kind of want to bring it back to um, as what you were saying. Like, like, do you think like the super fight standpoint so that they do in the States that are very successful to some, to what we see, do you feel that those can be successful in Canada or there's just too much politics involved right now to really get them on the right foot? Okay. So let me ask you a question. Are heel hooks allowed in Canada, in Ontario? No. Okay. So yeah, right now, if you want, well, if you well, want yeah. them to be, <laughs> well, it, it, but, but again, it goes back to the pro conversation, right? Are, okay. the, are the athletes pros, right? Okay. So, so again, your question was, will the super fight show be successful, right? So right now, the most popular thing is no-gi grappling. It's becoming more and more popular, and no-gi and heel hooks and leg locks are the trend. We don't do those because for some reason, the insurance agents of Ontario apparently train under the John Danaher death squad, and they know the difference between a heel hook and a leg and an ankle lock. So apparently that's the, that's the explanation we've been given that they, the insurance won't allow it. So the thing is it's stuff like that, you know, until we can get over these like little red tape, we're not going to go anywhere, you know, and it's, it's stuff like that. Um, there's just little nuances in our law here, unfortunately, like, dude, you know, even if there wasn't COVID, Quebec doesn't even have jujitsu tournaments. Like yeah. Canada is so that's a, that's a whole other can of yeah. worms. Even no, on but top of that. Yeah. yeah. So when you talk about, when you talk about Canada as a whole, you know, Quebec, you know, a lot of people f- know Quebec because of, you know, Faraz Zahabi and TriStar and, you know, Fabio Londa, all these guys that have, have well-established competitors out there, but they can't even have tournaments. And then Ontario <laughs> has the number but we can't do heel hooks and we can't even do reaping because people's knees will explode. So it's like, we're, it's like we, we, we've, we've grown as, um, as uh, participants, but as far as catching up with the level, we can't unless we can get past some of these hurdles. So we're stuck, unfortunately. So that's why I was saying earlier, if we were going to do anything in ADCC, I just discovered the other day that in Vancouver, you can do heel hooks in the Nogi expert division. So that could be an option. Okay. Pretty sure, like John Danaher's not a an insurance adjuster in Ontario somewhere. I'm pretty sure if we just went to him, we're like, "Hey, listen, I, there's this one fabled submission that just like explodes knees. You don't need to worry about it, man." Listen, I I, I tried to I tr- I you know in, in 2014, okay, um, five grappling came here, and their their one rule was, oh yeah, like blue belts can do straight knee bars, knee bars, right? And you think about it, how many people have you ever seen injured from a knee bar? Very few, unless Very it's few. just like any other submission where it's just like, I refuse to give up. I refuse okay. to give up. Pop, but is pop, it pop, is pop. it is it that much more dangerous than an arm bar? No, I, in my opinion, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it is because okay. You, it, okay. it gives you ample opportunity to like, Hey, this is on, you should probably yeah. submit or you're going to injure yourself. Of course. Of course. So heel hooks is different. I think that a heel hook, um, in the gi, you know, um, that's different, but I'm talking about straight knee bar here. So in 2014 and in, in 13 to 14 or 15, I can't remember the two times that five came here with that rule. You wouldn't believe the messages that I saw from some of the, you know, well-known jujitsu coaches here in Ontario. They were like, I can't believe this straight knee bars. People's legs are going to be broken. This is a travesty. So it's (laughs) the thing. Like we need, 
we we need my my point is is like the culture needs well, to be somebody, changed. Somebody, please, I know, think of the children for the children. The children are gonna see <laughs> the legs. Exactly. So the problem is 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 we've grown as a, as a participant number, you know, which is amazing. And I and I keep saying this, and every time I say this, I get shit from certain people, which will remain nameless. We've grown, but we haven't taken the proper steps forward to catch up to the culture of the rest of the world. And that's why we are stuck. That's why we can't progress. So until these changes can happen, we're always going to be like in this like little plateau. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Now, let, let's ask the obvious question. Since we're, we're on this topic already, I was going to ask you later. Um, feel free to be as controversial as possible. What are, so we mentioned some of these changes, but what are some more things that you want to see from the Ontario scene to kind of progress further to, I guess, catch up in certain areas, even the rest of Canada as well. Cause you even mentioned Quebec. You're they're running, they're running tournaments on like the border of uh, Ontario, like on the, uh, on the Ontario, Ontario side of the border, calling it basically the Quebec open, but it's in like the middle of nowhere, Ontario, you go, and then you're driving back five minutes across the border just because you just, you know, you yeah. teleport over a border Jiu-jitsu is now legal, but then you go back to the area where there's it's poutine land and it's yeah. fine, but it's illegal. Yeah. What, are, what are some of these things that you want to change? Be as open and controversial as possible. I, I want to hear your honest thoughts. It, it's, it's not my uh, intention to be controversial, but I do think that like, um, you know, having a healthy discussion about allowing leg locks and reaping and stuff like that is, is a good start. I think that that's a fair discussion. I think we are in 2020, um, you know, ADCC, like here, here's the deal guys. Um, I do some stuff behind the scenes of ADCC. I've been working with that event since 2007 uh, through flow and through other, you know, through them directly. ADCC 2021 is going to be, the biggest grappling event in the history of the world. You guys have no idea what's going to happen. And Canada, we can't send anyone there other than a few guys like Ethan and Oliver Taza who will be, or Dante, who will be ready for it because they can't compete here under a rule set that's even relatively similar. Does that make any sense in the world? Everywhere else in the world, everywhere else in the world, <laughs> Can, Except the great white North heel, so, heel hooks and knee bars. So, so we combusting yeah. everything. So it's, 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 it's just like, it's like, um, if we sit here and like look super close at like, what's the law or regulation, it's stupid. I think like from an external perspective, we need to just look and say, okay, Hey, like what's going on here. You know what I mean? Like something's not right. Something's not lined up here. Why can't like this event is going to be the greatest thing in the history of the world ever. You guys have no idea. I know I've said that already, but I'm telling you. And we, we won't have people prepared for this event because we're Canada. That makes no sense at all. So my point is, is that there needs to be a, a healthy conversation with the people that are in charge to take a little bit of an accept and open their mind to some outside perspective and say, hey, I understand that we went this route in order to get regulated and so forth that the JGGIF or whatever. And the UA, I get that. It's awesome, but we can't neglect what the rest of the world's doing. Otherwise we're just going to keep staying behind. We have some yeah. amazing athletes. We have some amazing talent. We all know that. Okay. But the thing is without giving them the right, 
uh, opportunity to compete in the rule set that the rest of the world is doing, how are they going to be on that level? They can't if they're not competing regularly. So let's look at guys like Dante, Oliver, Ethan. You don't even see them compete anymore. They moved to the States practically because they need to to stay sharp so they, they can compete in the world's greatest tournaments, which is ADCC and a lot of these other no-gi submission grappling because that's where the money is right now. That's where a lot of these grapplers want to do. That's the dream, you know what I mean? And, you know, we have IBJJF-style events, amazing. We have AJP Tour-style events, amazing. But we're missing that third, you know, you know what I'm talking about. We're missing AD, we're the missing. ADCC. Yeah. Yet you do, you do work for them, so – yeah, no, I don't. I again, I don't, just to clarify, I don't work directly with the ADCC. I'm, I'm really good friends with which, with a lot of the guys. I've worked for them in the past since 2007. Right now, I work with them as far as uh, with flow grappling is concerned, but I don't directly work for them. Just to clarify. Okay. Um, so, okay. So yeah. Thanks for the uh, clarification. But you know, I I agree with you. I think like uh, this may sound like a simple solution or an oversimplified solution is. You know, there's there's amateur sport, and then there's professional little sport. So why can't there be like the amateur IBJJF, JJIF, all those tournaments, and then you have the professional ADCC have a different rule set, um, different tournaments, different qualifiers, and start to build that in regards to and then you can get to a point where you have. And believe me, I've argued with a lot of people about this as well. I'm sure. <laughs> so, so I said, I'm like, why can't you have like, you know, the Grappler's Quest Open Division, 2000 bucks on the line, come heel hook and get your money, yo. Like, why can't you have, you know, that style of tournament, but then also have like the grassroots, like, hey, you know, I'm a 40-year-old accountant, but I want to yeah. go to a tournament. I want to roll. Uh, I'm not cool with getting uh, – what do you mean I can't knee bob? I'm cool with that. Why, why can't there be two? That, I guess that's my big question. So I think that from what I've been told that when the powers that be hear about pro um, and not, not people that you've had on this podcast, but other people in the powers that be, I've been told when they hear the word uh, pro grappling or pro jiu-jitsu, they cringe at it and they don't want pro because let's, let's be honest, I think that that adds a whole other layer of work that they don't want. Let's be real here. You know what I mean? It's a whole other, um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to pro sports. They, don't, they have no idea what it looks like. Unfortunately, some of the decision makers for jiu-jitsu are not always people that even do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They're, you know, guys from the old CJA or OJA, the guys with the yeah. karate pants and the t-shirt tucked into their pants with the black belt. So it's... You know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, we have people, um, people making decisions for the better of our sport that maybe just they don't understand um, what's out there, you know, and they, they, they're doing the best they can. And, man, I'm not trying to knock any of those guys because it's a pain in the ass. They got to listen to, you know, assholes like you and I make fun of yeah, them all. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so, but, but it's – They still listen to me, like, complaining yeah, about – Yeah, but the thing is, is, like – you know, that, that's the job, man. You can't have, you can't have, you know, you can't have the, the benefits of the job without going through some of the work. So there's two, two ends of that question. I think it's like either we get them to change their mind and allow, or we just do it and, and not <laughs> just, tell them. Just do it. Let's I mean, it's going to happen. No, but like, why can't somebody just do it and not report how much money people are getting? 
That doesn't mean like it's stupid. Like you don't have to tell. Do you do you if you ran an event tomorrow, right? And you did a pro event, you know, do you think the government of Canada is going to say, "Oh, well, this is a super far, this is a super fight format and not an Ontario Open." Like they don't know the difference. If you ran a, an event with 10, <laughs> they don't know. And if you had prize money, you don't announce it and you pay the athletes, they're not going to know. So at the end of the day, it's like I don't know why people haven't figured that out yet, but it seems very easy to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just for the first I, rule of Fight Club is don't disclose the fucking persons. <laughs> <laughs> or that there is any. You know what I mean? Like, come on. I've, I've been hearing the same old nonsense since 2004. They're like, oh, you can't, you can't mention the prize money. Okay. So I won't mention the prize money. You don't need to. I used to run my event. I didn't tell freaking OJA or CJA at the time, hey, I paid GSP 500. No, I just paid them their CJA membership money, told them to shut up and get out. And then they ripped me off on that too back then. So it's <laughs> <laughs> grifters. I, I, I think it comes down to just like a lot of like people just don't want certain things to succeed because it goes against their narrative yeah. or what they've yeah. worked towards. Right. And exactly. they're just like, no, uh, I, I don't want it because of X and it doesn't make sense and we're not getting our cut. And, it, and so they're just going to self-sabotage. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's so hard where it's going to become this underground thing and it never really gets to be a mainstream thing where it should be. Right. Yeah. And I, that's, those are the battles where especially, especially can't, sorry, like Quebec, especially Ontario right now. Yeah, I I think like look like let's be honest like Fernando runs his tournament here in Ontario, the Ontario Open. It's the biggest tournament in Canada. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I'm not talking about Fernando here. It's Fernando's got no. the biggest tournament. What I do think that would be a good idea is Fernando. What I what I recommended to him was, um, hey Fernando, start inviting some of your you know Cicero Costa boys and you know the Meow brothers or 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 Levi Jones or some of these guys to come to your tournament. Why? Let's think about this. If Levi Jones shows up or the Meow Brothers show up, right, and they just annihilate a division and somebody films that, don't you think the outside media is going to be talking about that or Flow Grappling is going to be covering that? Of course they will. But they won't come here unless something brings their attention. But now all of a sudden they cover it and they're like, oh, what tournament was this? The Ontario Open. Okay, we'll keep that on our radar. That's how you do it. I had the same discussion with somebody else here. And uh, they asked me like, well, why doesn't Flow Grappling come to Ontario Open? I'm like, I go, look, like it costs money for them to come across the border. Number one, they have to send producers. They have to send all these things. But like, you have to understand there's a million tournaments all over the world. They don't go cover all of, they don't even do like the Austin Open and their headquarters are right in Austin, Texas. So they're not going to go to Ontario just because there's a lot of people. But if you bring big names, they'll figure out something. So the question to me was, well, what do you mean? Like Bouchesha and Leandro Lowe came here a few years ago. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't compete. If Bouchesha and Leandro Lowe competed and they weren't doing a seminar, I guarantee they would have some coverage or they would, you know, send somebody down or, you know, film it or report on it. But to come and do a seminar, that doesn't mean shit. So that's the, I think we have to start, like the promoters here have to open up the pocketbooks a little bit, think outside the box. Tony did something really cool a long time ago when he invited Cobrinha and it cost yep, him. I was an, actually just going to mention that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, and you know, it obviously it costed him an arm and a leg, so he didn't want to do it again, but that was really cool. Cause at that time, you know, uh, I put it out there for him on some sites. And if we had somebody like that, um, you know, kind of try something like that, you know, bring one of these top level Americans or Brazilians in and maybe one or two of them, you know, I, I put it out there one time on, 
on uh, on Facebook. I'm like, man, you know, how cool would it be to have a super fight show where it's like Canada's best guys against like the, the U.S. or Brazil's best? That would be awesome. You know what I mean? Like have one uh, one Canadian guy from every different academy as you can or some of the biggest ones against like random American or like top level Americans. And they don't even have to be Bouchesha or Keenan, but like, you know, guys like Levi Jones, guys like Edwin Najmi, uh, uh, something just to kind of get the attention here because you, you got to do something, you know what I mean? Like you got to shine the light here. Otherwise people won't see what's going on. If it, we're just going to look like we're in the darkness again, you know, we got to do something. I just think that like, there needs to be a little bit more of a, a willingness and open-mindedness to creativity and not so like, well, the CJA policy is, you know, we have to abide by the JJI. Like that's bullshit. Like, let's think outside the box here. You know what I mean? Let's be real. Like the, the, C- the OJA has been collecting funds since 2009. Do the math. I'm not telling you that they, you know, have to pay for people's, um, you know, uh, expenses during COVID or anything like that, which is, hey, that's a discussion too. But why not, you know, do something else to help the scene and, and why not try to talk to some decision makers or talk to some people that can influence and, and you know, maybe try to cultivate the, the culture here just a little bit differently than we have been doing. Because again, all I see, which is amazing, what we want as a community, we want jiu-jitsu to grow. Am I right? We all want it. We want more people practicing. We want more tournaments. We want more people in the academy. We're doing that. But we're, we're also not getting outside recognition. So if we're paying a commission or we're paying a committee, and we're paying them, you know, like I said, you can do some imaginary math. They have at least a hundred bucks in their account. I'm sure they can go, um, you know, afford at the, the nationals or the CJ nationals or one of these tournaments that they finance, they can afford to bring in some big level guys um, for a super fight or just to come in and compete, you know, maybe offset their costs by giving them a seminar the day before the weekend after something there's ways to do it, but we need to be creative. Otherwise we're just going to keep staying behind as a culture is that fair yeah yeah, yeah no 100 it's about taking risk and trying to think outside the box like you said like there's ways to do it it's just i think it's yeah it's it's especially in 2020 when things the scene has changed completely it's almost like a level playing field especially with a lot of academies whether they're unfortunately had to close down or if they're restarting a whole new culture you know what now is the time to start really thinking differently and start doing doing it differently exactly and it's like i'll give you an example like uh i remember like a couple years ago there was the royal invitational in, in california where they had like all the upcoming blue purple brown belts competing it was something really cool and uh you know i i put it out there to somebody i was like oh yeah if i want to run the royal invitational in canada it's like well you gotta be an academy owner and you got it and it's like holy shit so it's like <laughs> costly, like it's like it, it, it's it's you know what i mean like we have you, you to do it you do a great impression of somebody i know yeah <laughs> but it's like but it's, it's and it's and it's not that person's fault and i don't even know who you're referring to but anyways but it's it's I think nobody, you might it's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's not. It's, it's not nobody. It's not one person's fault or an association's fault, but it's just the fact that we have to go through that. That's the problem, you know? And, and the fact that we can't get creative and think outside and do something. Not everything we do. If we run a, a, a private event in some guy's academy, we don't have to alert the OJA or CJ or OG, whatever. We don't have to alert C- them. C3PO, R2D2 yeah, the, association. Exactly. The, you know, BB-8. We, we don't have to alert these, you know, these, these associations. We just got to go for it, you know? And, you know, man, like, honestly, like, I'm just, I, I'm, in, I'm in a different stage in my life. I, like I said, I have three kids. 
You know, they're all going to school come September. I'm a little bit busier these days. I don't have the free time that I used to. Otherwise, I'd be doing it myself. But I hope that me talking to you guys, somebody out there, or maybe even you guys, you know, take, take the lead and just, you know, go for it, man. Because there's ways to do things that are cool that can, that can let people know that, hey, you know, we have a Canadian scene. We have some badasses out here. There's a lot of top-level guys. And you know what? Yep. If we do something really cool with the media here – People will, they'll start looking at it. You know what I mean? They'll start, we put it out there. You got to just, you got to just go for it. You can't just sit there and, you know, keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. Some people say that that's the definition of insanity, you know? So I guess in a sense, it's kind of insane what we're doing, but we got to do something different. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really so, like your, the outside the box approach. Cause I, I, I agree with you. There is a lot. We had Alison Tremblay on a while ago. So speaking of people that are accomplished in the international scene, she may be one of the most, accomplished competitors in Canada. Yep. Maybe ever. If you're adding up all the accolades, she's competed in ADCC. She's won world world titles at the IBJJF. And she, she made a very good point as well. It's like, um, it's like at the end of the day, like you're, you're talking about like getting, getting recognition, like trying to get more like, you know, the media flow grappling, getting, getting, uh, getting eyeballs on Canadian talent. I, I think that's a very good thing. Cause I, she said as well, like there's a lot of really good Canadian talent yeah. that, and I agree with her. They're like, they're there with like the world's best or they're like, they're on the cusp. They're just like, there's just like when maybe one small thing that they need just to get pushed and elevated even more. Yeah. I just wanted to comment that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you look at the, like the four or five most popular Canadian grapplers right now, when I go to the States, when I go to flow grappling and if I, if they'll, they'll ask me like, Oh, who are the best guys in Canada? I'll throw it to them. And the only people that they know of is Allison Tremblay, Oliver Taza, uh, Ethan Krellstein, Dante Leon. Um, that's kind of the, those are kind of the big ones. Right. But why do they know those people? Because they're competing outside it has nothing to do and i'm sorry if i miss people because i'm tired but um, it has nothing it has nothing to do with you know them winning um the local you know the hamilton open you know what i mean it's because they're going outside so yeah the outlaw mud show classic on the border exactly, of Ontario, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know what i mean so it's it's because they're going to those big competitions, you know, and the thing is you barely see those people, maybe with the exception of Allison, you barely see those people competing here anymore. They've all moved away. So um, there's obviously a sign there, you know, if all of our best guys are the, are not our best, but I should say our most well-known competitors right now are all out of here. There's a problem here. You know what I mean? It's like that old euphemism. Like it's either everyone's crazy or you are right. So it's like either, you know, either they're crazy for getting out of Canada or maybe we got to fix something. I don't know. You know I think, I, I think I, I see your point definitely from like a Nogi standpoint, if the money is there and there's money to be made doing like, I guess to say pro Nogi tournament, we'll just say heavy quotation. But it, pro. It's not even, it's not even Nogi. Like look at the, look, I'll give you an example. Like, IBJJF, when they first started coming here, they had the lowest numbers anywhere in the world. You guys don't understand. They were getting 100 to 120 competitors. That is complete bullshit. And why? It's because of local politics. People were like, well, they're not sanctioned, so we can't, you know, like it's, it's, it's always the same thing. So <laughs> I people love that impression. So people were not going to these because it wasn't part of, you know, the thing. But it's like – you know, it, it's not just, and even the, even the Abu Dhabi trials, like you would think like the world pro trials 
would be, you know, stacked. And it's, it's doing good. Like George, you know, took the, took the ball and he's really running with it. He's doing an amazing job. Um, but again, like he's, you know, he went to Vancouver. He didn't get full support out there. Like, you know, always local politics comes ahead and it's something that's never going to go away unless the people in the culture, unless the people demand the change and start making the change, start having more healthy conversations. Like I might be out of touch here, but I feel like your podcast is probably one of the only podcasts right now in Canada that's connecting with a lot of different people. And like the only other podcasts or conversations I see are people doing zoom classes with their students or like Ontario gym owners talking to themselves. But as far as people speaking about the culture in Canada, you guys are the guys doing it. So you guys are on the forefront. So it's up to you now. You guys have the responsibility. It's, it's on us. It's on us. Don't, it's on don't fuck this you. up, Aaron. Don't Listen, fuck this up. Like you already either, have this podcast. It's either you or Greg King, and he's too busy t- playing Call of Duty right now on Twitch. <laughs> so you guys gotta you guys gotta get out here and you gotta do it. Hold on, okay? hold on, Ricardo. I don't think he's playing Call of Duty right now. I think he's still stuck on the 401 somewhere. <laughs> That's right. That's what I was gonna say. Because if I see another fucking post about traffic, we'll fucking lose it. Bro, it's very oh, rich, a lot of traffic here today, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so fucking true. Shout out to shout out to Greg King if you're listening. Oh, he's to the this. man, Greg King. Actually, hey, let, let's you know, be honest. Listen, King, listen. No, I, no, no, no. Listen, Greg King is a is is it's it's fun. Like we can joke, but like a guy like that, like you know, he supports you know the Ontario scene, and even he Absolutely. tried to branch out. You know, he 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 started Triple V and Grappler's Plan, all these different ventures, and it, it, you know, it's guys like that, you know, that that need to be out here and kind of connecting with the community and. You know, um, I, I recently, like I had George Brito on my podcast. I slowed down my podcast. Just, I got kind of busy, but I'm going to try to make more of an effort myself to kind of talk to more, uh, you know, influencers here in Canada and, you know, try to see if we can get the ball rolling. I recently had a couple uh, Canadian athletes reach out to me asking me about how to get a Canadian ADCC trial. And this is like the third time this year that we've had this conversation. And like I was telling you earlier, <laughs> You're like, bro, I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, no, it's like Please. the the problem is, is I'll be honest with you. When ADCC, the two head officials came here in 2010, they were freaking embarrassed because it was such a small turnout. It was so bad. So they were like, we're not going to Canada ever, ever. So I'm working with some people trying to come up with solutions on how to create like a qualifier for Canadians to go to the North American trials. At least we got something, you know, but we got to do something, you know, and I think conversation is good with the right people, um, proactive people, problem solvers, influencers, and not just people just like saying no or like, you know, Hey, we can't change the way or whatever, but um, there's enough people in the community that I think we can make some changes here. You know, like you guys, like, you know, know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good competitors. We just got to do more to kind of get these guys recognized out there. I agree hundred percent. So obviously like seeing so many different types of formats of like competitions and super like what is one, like what are the things that ADCC does so well that just kind of just keeps them getting bigger and bigger each year? I think, well, I mean, they have the prestige number one. Um, and it's, it's, it's a prestige that transcends, you know, a little bit differently than Gi Jiu Jitsu because Gi Jiu Jitsu, because it's every year, it's like, it's a little different, you know, like the IBJJF world is the most prestigious gi tournament in the world. World pro would be second, but ADCC it's biannual. 
Um, you know, there's big money. There's, you know, it's this whole mystique about coming from Abu Dhabi and, you know, there's MMA guys competing in it. There's, you know, national level wrestlers are going to be jumping in this year. That's why I keep telling you guys the next one's going to be crazy. I heard a rumor about the halftime show. I don't even want to get into that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just this, you know, it's this event that anyone can go into and you don't have to be a black belt in jiu-jitsu and you could do good. Like look at Nick Rodriguez blue belt in jiu-jitsu and everyone's like oh man he's like an olympic level wrestler he's not he's just a good wrestler and he went in there and got silver he lost to kind of duarte of okay cool but like that's the beauty of it anyone can go in if you if you understand the rules and the that's what makes it also difficult the rules are so challenging that you can't manipulate them like an ibgf tournament you can't just you know it, it's so different like i Nothing irritates the shit out of me more is than watching in an IBJJF event. And I love the IBJJF events, by the way. But I'm seeing any jiu-jitsu event with the gi is when I see two guys whoop, go like this, grab each other's pant, look at the clock, and then look for an advantage. They win, and then they get up. You know what I mean? Why, like, that's are, you, why are you ripping on my style? Like, that's <laughs> a lot of my but, world – I've actually – I've won matches at Purple Belt Worlds doing the exact same thing. I can't, I can't, I can't hit the player. I can't hit the player. I hate the game. You know Don't what hate saying? the player. Hate the game. That's it. So, but my point is, is like, you know, you get – if you bring somebody um, to a match like that, they're just going to look at this and be like, what the hell? Like, I thought this was like fighting. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it takes the whole thing. So with ADCC, there's a lot more wrestling involved. So it kind of brings it back to that, like almost like fighting atmosphere, you know, and, and it's, it's a fight. It's not submission grappling. Like they call it submission fighting. Like there's guys bleeding out there. There's battering each <laughs> other. Like it's brutal. You know what I mean? Like last year, like Nick Rodriguez and Muhammad Ali squashed the Gracie mag lady. It was, it was, you know, she just <laughs> on the sidelines. like it's, it's a she brawl. was like the first official casualty in ADC. No, I mean, okay. yeah, but it's, it's exciting, you know, and it's, it's, you know, anything can happen. Like you see guys like Lachlan going there and he'll hook these giants, you know, you don't necessarily see that at Gi Jiu Jitsu and it's just, it's just a different atmosphere, you know? So it's something that uh, it's just super special, man. And, you know, like I said, it, I, my dream would be to have it here in Canada. I don't think it's going to, because I think unfortunately ADCC has just moved way past that yeah. unless we can get it at Skydome or something one day, but that's going to be like 30 years down the road, but we'll see. But um, yeah, that's, it's just such a, such an amazing event, you know? And um, yeah, you got to tune into the next one. That's all I can say. Still hype man for ADCC. One thing I actually wanted to ask you was, um, let's talk about rule sets since we're kind of on that topic. Um, ADCC rule set, IBGJF rule set, fight to win rule set, EBI, EBI overtime. What, what's your favorite rule set? Would it still be ADCC or what, what would you say are some things that you would like to see maybe a little bit different about that rule set or other ones? I like, uh, I like like AJP tours rule set. Um, I think it's interesting. I still has, it still needs to be like, tested a little bit more because it's still kind of new i like ibjgf but i'm just not a huge fan of like 10 minute tournament matches because i just feel like nobody does anything until the last two minutes anyway and it's just shorten the match boring. make it six six minutes and yeah make it, so make that six minutes action packed exactly exactly so i like as far as the gi i like those rule sets uh i love adcc um ebi i think that it, i listen like the thing is is like 
it's cool to have everything. There's no one perfect rule set. There never will be because it's so diverse. You know, we, we have diversity. We have gi. We have no gi. We have leg lock guys. We have barambolo guys. We have takedown guys. We have guard pullers. So jujitsu is so diverse. So we need different rule sets. I, I like them all in a sense, but I recognize that certain people will just not gravitate towards certain rule sets. So you're not going to get a lot of the traditional jujitsu people to go into EBI because they think that starting on the back and starting in, you know, spider web is bullshit. Are they wrong or are they right? I don't know, but that's just not what they like. So we need to have a couple different rule sets. Some people love fight to win. Some people, you know, maybe don't feel as much uh, strongly about it. I think it's cool. You know, I don't, not a huge fan of the slamming and stuff, but that's just me. Some people, they play the strategy and they use the slamming to win. So you, you know what I mean? Like we haven't established because it got so diverse. So it's all kind of good. You know what I mean? I, I think, um, I think it's all good. I think it just, it all comes down to the athletes competing, you know, cause you can have a, a shitty rule set and have two great athletes and have an amazing fight. You can have a great rule set and two great athletes and make a shit fight. So it really just comes down to uh, the incentive for them to fight the referees. Um, I love personally the stall clock on uh, uh, you know, I'm really fortunate to have done all the world pros over the last five years. And they, you could see the stall clock underneath the, re- it's amazing. So it really pushes the guys. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really cool rule set as well. Awkward pause. Yeah, I know. I thought Mike was Aaron, coming in. Aaron, Aaron's, Aaron's processing in his computer. Uh, no, I, was, I thought Mike was coming in with something. That's why. Um, no, um, so, fuck, now I totally lost my train of God thought. God damn it, Aaron. <laughs> way to go. Way to, be, way to be professional here, Aaron. All right, I know, exactly. So I think that, like, go ahead. No, I got it. I got it now. Come on. Give me a second. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so, especially, like, like, where do you kind of see, like, the sport going now like as you know we talked about trends so where do you think that next trend might be heading to is it more kind of like still in this uh leg lock factor is it kind of move away from that more into a wrestling factor what are you thinking i think that um i think that uh the leg lock thing is it's not like um it's not something new now now it's like accepted so now what you're starting to see is a lot of the top jujitsu guys um like they're adapting and they're just making a part of the game you know like a lot of the names that john danaher and the dds guys call or even 10 planet guys call if you go to Atos jiu-jitsu online you'll see their names in the thing you know what i mean like so like people are adapting the best guys are the best teams are adapting so the leg locks it's not that it's done it's i think that people just realize that you can't just omit it anymore and you can't ignore it so that's now here i think the new trend is going to be wrestling and wrestling up from half guard. I think that that's going to be um, something big. I think that, um, you know, I think that, I think just like a lot of things kind of, you know, do full circle. So I, I have a feeling that like more, you know, submissions from the guard might come back. You know, I think that people are going to start doing something a little different if they look at, you know, what Gordon's doing and Shanji's doing, you know, arm bars from the guard, triangles and stuff like that. That could it's be such a crazy different. trend. It's like I know. the craziest, craziest I mean, jiu-jitsu, like an arm bar from closed guard. Get the fuck out of here. I, you know, it's funny because Shanji did it in 2017 twice in the same day and everyone was like, what Ooh. the hell? You know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, it's just an arm bar from the guard. But I mean, he's got such an advanced level that it's it's incredible so i mean i think that we're at a point yeah i think that the wrestling is is really and you could see it like in 2015 adcc the wrestling there was really bad and, um 2017 it got better i, I remember i remember that like I, I would say it's like 2013 2015 i remember watching yeah. 
And I mean, no disrespect because, you know, I'm just, you know, a shitty local yeah. brown belt. Uh, I watched Hafa Mendez and Cabrina in the middle of the night in China. Yep. A division seven wrestling match at best. Yeah. I yeah. think, I think it was a cure for insomnia. I think I fell asleep halfway through it. I woke up, they were still standing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why are these two guys wrestling? But, <laughs> but, but look at, look at what a difference 2017 Cobrina was. Yes, right? absolutely. 2017 yeah. Cobrina was a freaking wrestler. He went out there and out wrestled everyone so the wrestling game is just going like this um, i agree as far as far as the no gi game as far as gi um you know obviously right now like the worm and the lapel and all that stuff is is kind of the new trend as far as the next big thing unfortunately because we've had such a lull i, I can't give you the best answer i can only give you what the last answer was which was all the lapel stuff um, lapel worm guard yeah, keenan making yeah. that making yeah. that popular but more like well even so, a lot of his stuff like if you look at like today back in the day like he was such an innovator of you look at all modern jiu-jitsu and all i think it all comes starts with him like it, him like long stepping people and yeah it's somebody uh, made a good really good analysis victor doria made a really good analysis on my podcast i recommend you guys watch that he's the the owner of fighter's choice um the second best podcast in canada by the way guys but um the uh what he said was that jiu-jitsu has expanded it hasn't evolved it's expanded so i agree with that when you see ted today start doing lapel stuff it's not that you can say well ted today knew the lapel encyclopedia no he didn't he had maybe <laughs> one or he had maybe one or two or three different moves but they were all different but what he would do is when he would do the move it would be one move right it would be like one move here one here and one here. Keenan expanded that, connected all those, right? It's just like X-Guard. X-Guard was a thing. X-Guard used to be the sweep called Joga Fononolisho, means throw the garbage out, okay? And the X-Guard used to come from the butterfly guard. You butterfly guard, the guy posts his leg, you underhook, you scoop under, and you mm-hmm. throw him out. So what happened was somebody started that move. And then it was like, oh, shit, I can get there from here. I can get there from here. And then it became a thing. It expanded. So a lot of these trends are just expansions of, of, of current, you know, things that are out there. Whole Guys like Holetta were playing with lapels. Again, mm-hmm. was he doing Keenan's lapel and worm guard back in 1999 against Amari Patech? Maybe one of the moves, but he wasn't doing everything. But, like, but he did something, you know what I mean? There was, there's some resemblance, you know, as well, you know. And even leg locks, like, you know, 99, you know, Comprito, you know, he won the world championship open with a, with a toe hole. It was the first time, you know, and that was really passe. You know, people hated leg locks. And he said it on my podcast as well. I recommend you guys check that one out. We'll put the link on the description, gentlemen. But um, Comprito said that, like, it took him doing it in Brazil to win the world championship open weight finals for people to say, you know what? Leg locks are okay. Let's start doing those now. You <laughs> they're know what cool. I mean? like, they're Let them okay. in. Yeah, but it had to be something so big because they were so looked at, you know, frowned upon at the time. You know what I'm saying? I think a big thing between maybe like jiu-jitsu back then, jiu-jitsu now, you see a lot more. There's interconnectivity of all these moves, exactly. systems in place. I think like what Dan is doing is like a perfect example. What you see like – somebody like Gordon Ryan doing for in his jujitsu, everything is interconnected. He knows every defense that you're going to, he's basically, it's like you're fighting a supercomputer. Yeah. That's, ba- that's basically like how I see him rolling is 
he knows all your defenses. He knows all your offenses and he knows all the answers to what you're going to do before you even know it. And that's, I think the difference between like uh, somebody who competes at that level and somebody who's just practicing moves. Absolutely. I concur with that statement. I concur. (laughs) So when you see like athletes that are just so dialed in, like a guy like Gordon Ryan, what do you think are like the next things that people need to do to beat an athlete like that? Because they're so dialed in, they know so much jujitsu, they're just on. Like, what is it just a mind game? Because that's what Gordon does. He's all mind game, fuck everybody up, and then go to the next step. So Verbally, like, physically, emotionally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you gotta look. There's always a there's always a flaw, right? Everyone's got some flaw. Every everyone's got a flaw. Everyone's not amazing at everything other than Hoffa. So it's like. It's like, if you look at Gordon, like, you know, I think the one thing that he has acknowledged is that maybe his wrestling isn't where he wants it to be. It's good. It's good. It's really good. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. But if you watch 2019, he was just doing like snatch singles. He he didn't shoot, I don't think, once. Um, And I don't know if that was because of injury or just because of his style. But I think it probably had more to do with, like, he basically, like, snapped his LCL in half of, like, six months before that. Yeah. Yeah. but It was probably more to do with that. But, yeah, but there's a lot of, like, so, you know, and and that right there, that's what makes the match with Andre so damn compelling if it happens. Because, you know, look what Andre did to Pena. You know, I, dude, I was commentating that match. He double liked Penna into my table and the table hit my stomach. And I think I still have a red mark on my belly from the freaking table because the power that he generated through it looked like I, I thought Bill Goldberg was scared of big Kevin Nash back in WCW 1999 bash at the beach. You know what I mean? It was insane. So, you know, that's what makes that match you know, so, so uh, interesting because I think Andre's got the wrestling down and, you know, he defeated Pena who beat Gordon twice and Pena was trying to entangle Andre's legs a lot. And Andre was just boom, out of there, out of there every time, stuffing out, stuffing out. And he had gas for days. And the one thing that was funny at the end of the match, I don't know if you guys know that, but like Andre was already retired. Like I was with him in Abu Dhabi when he retired, like after, um, an event he was like you know what i'm done like I, we were hanging out in the sand dunes on camels and shit he was like man belay i'm done he's like i'm i'm gonna go do my adcc <laughs> fight with with penna and and that's it i'm done i'm retiring i'm gonna focus on my team just like fabio Gogel and be the best coach ever but then he fought uh penna and he looked awesome and then he beat penna and then the promoter Mojassam was like, like "Hey, hmm. yeah." Oh, no. And then the promoter was <laughs> one like, "One more match." That's it. Then the promoter, the promoter was like, "Hey, man, go out there and do like a pose down with with Gordon." So at that time, Andre had two options. He could have said, "Hey, you know what? I'm retired." He could have made a speech and said, "You know what? Gordon's the next in line. You know, good luck to him." He didn't say anything. He went there. He took his picture, and you know. Rumor has it that he, he might take the match. I think we're going to find out real soon. Is he going to take the match? Is he going to defend his 17-time super fight title? <laughs> Stay tuned. That's it. Stay tuned. We'll break it next week on, uh, on y'all podcast. But, you know, it's supposed to – I don't know. I know that they're talking, um, and, and we'll see. Again, like what a lot of people – it's funny because some people were like, oh, man, he's fucking afraid of Gordon. It's like it's not that. He, re- he literally – retired before the Gordon conversation 
two years prior to that even being a conversation. So at this point, I don't know. He doesn't have anything to gain. He has, you know, and he doesn't. No, absolutely anybody. not. Like so, he, he yeah. he's lost matches before. Yeah, he's got. He has all. He's won everything that you could possibly win in jujitsu and some. Exactly. So, exactly. So. So we'll see. he is. I think it'll be a, a really interesting match if it does happen. But I've also like I've from because I I've trained at Autos a little bit. I've been down there in San Diego a few times, and a lot of the guys have tell, been telling me Galvao's been trying to retire for like yeah. It seems like ten years. I want to say at yeah. least like five years. He's like, you know what? This is my last year, and then he's and then he and then he'll go compete and he'll win something. You go, okay, next year is my yeah. last year. Yeah, and then he'll win true. something, and then you go, okay, you know what? This is it. This is the last yeah, year. Yeah. Next year, yeah. that I'm gonna retire, and then he'll win and go, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna do one more year. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, he he's a he's a super athlete. You know, the guy trains so hard. How do you tell a guy like that that trains so hard to just? pump the brakes completely or turn off the engine. You can't. So, you know, he's, he's still in shape. He, you know, it's almost like he's afraid to get out of shape. He's just, he's still in phenomenal shape. He's still lifting. He's still rolling. He's still teaching. He's still training. How do you stop a guy like that? You know, you, you can't stop training like that, you know? Um, so I don't think he's going to retire. Like, I think he's done with the IBJJF, you know, uh, worlds and stuff like that. A world pro. Yeah. But I don't think the ADCC retirement. I think he, I think he still wants to fight. But if he does retire, there's a big question: who gets the super fight against Gordon? So the two logical answers to that are either Felipe Pena or Bouchesha. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Why would they put Bouchesha in there? Because he got second in the open weight. Oh, he was second. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They do a rematch of that, and then the logical winner of that would be the the new crown super fight champion, or. Exactly. You have Felipe Pena, who was the runner-up in that yeah. last last ADCC super fight. You have you yeah. have him come back and do another one. And you know, technically, Pena is the last open weight champion before Gordon, so it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense too. And obviously, they have history, so it makes sense too. But we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? Um, there's still a little time. Um, the the event just got announced recently. It's going to be in Las Vegas at the end of September, so we got time to to figure it out. But uh, you know, word on the street is um, it could happen. We'll see. I can't see word on the street. <laughs> word on the streets of the mean streets of Hamilton. That's it. That's I, w- it, I wanted to actually ask you this question earlier because you mentioned Hamilton. Yeah. Um, what is the worst city in Ontario and why is it Brampton? Oof, that's a tough one. I mean, Brampton, <laughs> Bram- Bram- you know, I, I mean, I, I'm trying. This I'm trying to think of the less offensive thing to say about Brampton. I got. There's some nice people in Brampton. There's I'm some, offended. I'm from Brampton. There's, there's a really nice people in Brampton. I don't know. I mean, the worst city. The worst city, in Ontario. I don't think it's Hamilton, but Hamilton's a doozy these days. But uh, Brampton's pretty diverse. Let's just say that it's pretty diverse. You know, we get a constant, like, dislike, and I'm pretty sure every time Michael says anything bad about Brampton, it's that person just sending me hate shit. <laughs> dislike. <laughs> dislike. <laughs> At least he's watching. At least he's watching. Uh, he's he's watching. watching. It doesn't exactly. matter, man. And it doesn't matter. I laugh he's, every time when I watching. put it up. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> he's watching. It's all that matters. He gave you guys a view. That's all that matters. Yeah. Haters going to hate. It's okay. That's it. <laughs> 
So especially like, where, where do you kind of see like the future for yourself moving forward? Especially, uh, but I mean, like once we get out of lockdown, I know you're really busy still with flow grappling. Like what, what else do you kind of see on the horizon? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Like I've, I've really started to focus on kind of branding myself as a, um, just in general as like a kind of like a personality in the sport. Um, I've always thought about opening my own academy one day. I don't know if that's today or tomorrow, but it's something that's definitely on the horizon that I, I think, you know, in the future, um, whether it's here or somewhere else, I don't know. Um, be in Brampton, you never maybe know. Brampton, maybe it's in Brampton. <laughs> I, I, I heard Brampton I, needs you, Balea. I heard. I heard there's an I heard there's a place across the street from Briar, so I might go there. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm just gonna continue kind of doing what I'm, what I'm doing. I, I did like a, a, some seminars and workshops, and I had some. I was actually like planning to go do a couple workshops this summer and then everything happened. So that got canceled. So I'm like, shit, but you know, one door closes, another one opens. I started focusing on the podcast. Uh, I think, you know, for me, I'm just going to keep busy, you know, um, continue with this, continue doing, you know, um, freelance work for flow, um, continue commentating events, continue teaching, continue training when I can. And, um, you know, and then eventually, you know, looking to open a gym and, and stuff like that. But I also really, really want to get, um, kind of re, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but just like, you know, I want to be able to contribute to the Canadian scene again. You know, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know if it'll have me back. I don't know if there's too many people that are just like, no, not this guy again, but I feel like I have something to say. I feel like I have value to present to the people if they want to hear it because I have such a diverse background dealing with all of these other events all over the world. So I feel like if I take some of that knowledge, I think I could contribute because at the end of the day, you know, I think jujitsu, I think grappling is the greatest sport in the world. It saved me. You know, I, I met my wife through jujitsu. Uh, I met some of the you know best friends I ever had, but my greatest life experiences. So I want to be, I want more people to do it. I feel like the world would be a better place if people do it. So I want to be able to make that happen here. So I, I think that might, you know, as far as locally, I really want to start trying to work more locally um, to kind of help, cultivate the culture or change the culture's perspective on jujitsu and sort of in, in, in i don't know how but i want them to embrace you know what's going on outside and, and embracing the, you know the bigger picture and not just stay so kind of focused on what the task at hand is here in ontario or in canada absolutely like i've i've been trying to fight that battle with people as well i'm like hey do you see what you know this tournament that tournament because i'm i'm watching you know, everything around the world, just like you are as well. And, you know, there's some things that I like about other tournaments. There's other things that I'm like, eh, it's yeah. okay, but you know, it's not my favorite thing, but if people like it, that's something you can bring back. I think the most important thing. And I think the message that uh, you're trying to bring is, you know, there's nothing wrong with having different opinions on, you know, like the direction of jujitsu. I think the most important thing is getting everybody together, getting people to work together Calling, calling people out if they need to be called out on like, you know what I call, I call shenanigans on what you're saying. This is the way I, this is the way I think things should go forward. And this is why, as long as it's yeah. logical and not like, Hey, it's a, you know, serving only that person's purpose. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody uh, actually Solo Ribeiro said it to me best. And um, he said, you know what, you know why jujitsu never kind of progresses. I was like, why? And he's like, self-interest. He's like, self-interest ah. always, always gets ahead 
of 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 what the bigger picture and um, you know globally is for jiu-jitsu and it really hit a chord with me is like you know i can't go and say hey guys you know what'd be cool is if you guys brought like half a mendez like that's like self-serving for me you know what i mean <laughs> it's like it's like he's not gonna have all the answers for canada you know what i mean so what i try to always think of is like how do i use my experiences to to, to help other people not just myself or my academy or my team or my friends or my family what's good for everyone and sometimes it's hard to do you know Uh, i think like jujitsu here it's like it's like you know it's like opening a restaurant you know what i mean like you can have a poutine restaurant here in canada and it'll be success you go do that in texas it's gonna bomb you know what i mean but (laughs) but then again if you open a mexican taco shop in texas you're a success you open one downtown the streets of hamilton you'll get robbed so you have to, <laughs> there's different cultures, different cultures, different tastes, right? There's different things work in different places, but you can't just dismiss it. You got to try. That's my message. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. Like, I know exactly what you're saying. You got to, yeah. you got to try it out. Like, I think I, that's the perfect analogy. I think you, you nailed it right there. Exactly. My taco analogy always gets you. It always comes back to food. <laughs> it always comes back to food. It does. Yeah. It does. You know, and I think the biggest thing too is like you said, like, what's the goal? The goal is to grow the sport in Canada. That is, and you have to get like-minded people, people like yourself, people like us, more people on the same message. And then maybe, maybe less people like Aaron, but go on. Sure. But communicate. You got to do it. You know, you got to do something like, I'll give you an example. Like, I'm sorry to cut you off, man, but like, no, no, you know how I I do Aaron all the time. So go ahead. Okay. So I'll tell you a story. You know how I got actually started in commentating jujitsu. So in 2009, I helped Fabio Holanda with the world pro trials in Montreal. Okay. So he went to Abu Dhabi and then, um, came back and he said, Hey, the Sheik wants the finals of the world pro or footage from the world pro to go out on TV in Canada somehow. He's like, do you know anyone? I was like, oh yeah. Like I know the guys at fight network. So I was the first guy to go to fight network and said, Hey, listen, put this on, man. It's well-produced. It's the finals. You got Marcelo Garcia. They're like, you know, Robin Black's like, Oh, who's Marcelo Garcia. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'd add like, so like I, 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 I helped get jujitsu on TV essentially. And at that time, they were like, oh, you know, well, who's going to commentate it? Because it was in Arabic, right? So they had to dub it. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll try. I'm the only guy that kind of knows what happened. It's either me or Ron Black. So I did it with John Ramdean. And then we ended up doing another show, the best of ADCC on the Fight Network. And then they got Grappler's Quest. But that helped me get gigs in, in, in commentating. But it also established a connection with the Canadian scene as far as the world pro trials, uh, as far as Abu Dhabi. And it helped a lot. A lot of, you know, I even got the world pro trials in Montreal on the fight network as well. Full hour of people like guys like Elliot Baev, uh, Rodrigo Munduruka, Andrew McInnes, who was, you know, pretty uh, uh, current grappler at the time, you know, all their matches were on freaking national TV. So you got to do something. You can't just like sit here and like, you know, try to grow, the Toronto open and, you know, think that one day global TV is going to show up and be like, Oh, shit's great. You got to like, get out there. You got to try, you know what I mean? That that's, that's the biggest thing is you gotta, you gotta just go for it because even if it doesn't work, you don't know something else might come up. Another opportunity might come up. Maybe another angle might come up. It's just like jujitsu. You try to sweep one way. It doesn't work. Okay. You go this way. It doesn't work. Oh shit. There's a footlock. He's one. You know what I mean? Like you got to just keep trying different things. If you, if you have, 
just like jujitsu, I always, you know, bring it back. It's like, if, if you don't try something new, you're going to be old. It's like, it's like the iPhone, right? You got to get the upgrades. You got to do something new. Otherwise you're going to be obsolete. It's going to be slow and people are not going to, you're not going to want to use it anymore. And that's like the tournament scene here. We got to up, you know, on, uh, I think the thing is, is that Fernando introduced like, you know, with uh, Mata Leon, that was awesome. You know, it changed the game in 2009. Um, you guys probably don't know this, but like, I, I forgot to say this earlier. I was actually the guy that kind of rallied up everyone and said, Hey, we need to change the, the, the scene here in Ontario because yep. they were like, there was a, there was a famous meeting that I was like, yeah, it was like, like I'm driving downtown Tony, Toronto. Fernando, yeah. I mean, Brito, Brito like, and you know, of the, the it was, GTA it was the, it was the GTA Ontario Illuminati. We won't mention a couple <laughs> other names there, but you know, we don't, they, want, we don't want to end up in a dumpster in Hamilton. Nope. Nope. No, we can't do nope. that. So we, we were, I was the first guy that kind of rallied up and then, you know, but then it's like, man, I can't keep driving to Toronto in the middle of the night. And then like Tony was like, well, Hey, I'm going to start working with the OJ. And I think that's when, you know, he really took the ball and got it rolling. You know what I mean? So it's stuff like that. If we didn't take the opportunity to try, you guys would be doing mat tournaments on like horrible mats with god knows what new rules i don't know maybe it would have ended up better but i don't think it would have you know what i mean but if we didn't do something if we didn't take the steps and try you know we were crazy and you know what when we tried it didn't work at first we tried to call ourselves like the ontario brazilian jiu-jitsu federation that didn't work the government was like oh with the oja or cja they were like oh those guys are dorks they wear you know, karate pants with their t-shirt tucked into it with their belt and sunglasses but then we had to do it you know what i mean and then all of a sudden they're running so but you got to do it you know what i mean it's not always going to be easy but it's going to be rewarding if it's if you really really want it bad enough you know what i mean so hopefully somebody heard this out there and it's never it's never going to be it's never going to be perfect but if we can strive to get as close to that as possible then i, I think if we land close to that i think we're doing a good job absolutely you hit the nail on the head there michael Briars. Why, thank you, Mr. <laughs> Ricardo Balea Amanolia. Thank no, you for having a, having us on tonight. Thank you um, for assaulting my name, my last name, but that's okay. But, but <laughs> I just beat it down like a it's mess okay. attic in downtown Barton Street <laughs> in, in Hamilton. Do you have any uh, closing remarks for us tonight? Any uh, you know sponsors you want to shout out? I know we have we actually have a sponsor now. I may shout that out again. I heard that. I heard that. Shut him out. You guys, I'm gonna tell you something, Michael Briars. You gotta stop with this sponsored by nobody. Come on. That's what I keep <laughs> out there. Get out there. If you say, listen, if you speak it, it'll you're gonna pro, you're gonna that's what's gonna happen. If you say you're sponsored by nobody, you're not gonna pick up sponsors. But somehow you miraculously pulled one off. I don't you, I think you had to bribe them. But let me tell you something. What's what's up with Fighters Market Canada and Maeda and Hyperfly and all these Ikiro and Red Star. Where's Igor at with Red Star? You know, We're working get those on guys. It. Go get those We're guys to sponsor it. your podcast, boys. Come on. Working on it. Go ahead. Don't, there's some. Though. Uh, well, but we, all right. So now that Ricardo's finally shut up, now I can go into our uh, our, our first official sponsor. That is CanadianProtein.com. For the love of God, if you do not want to look like Aaron Gall, go on the CanadianProtein.com website. Get yourself some protein. Use promo code CHOKE. That is C-H-O-K-E. Kind of like what Aaron does every time he competes. C-H-O-K-E. Get yourself 10% off anything you want online. 
That is CanadianProtein.com. And I'm trying to be self-deprecating with, you know, a lot of the sponsorships and, you know, all the sponsorship dollars that we've been raking in these days, you know. But, Ricardo, officially, I want to thank you for having you on tonight. It's good to get a lot of different perspectives just on, like, the Canadian scene, the international scene. It's always great talking to you and just to other people, even if they have different opinions than like what this guy's doing and that person's doing. It's, it's always great to have like different fresh perspectives, you know, controversial or not, however you want to think about it. Um, thank you for coming on tonight. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Thanks guys for, for having me. You know, um, like I said, you know, I've been kind of out and about, but I really want to try to help kind of cultivate the Canadian scene. If you guys will have me, uh, I think what you guys are doing is cool. So please keep it up. Um, you guys make cool thumbnails as well. And um, for the YouTube videos, so keep doing those. Um, I already have an idea me, for you. Give me like the graffiti, like like Tony Isaacs had. I want the graffiti streets of Hamilton. No, just do whatever bro, you bro, want. Make I'm going to make, make it look good. Don't worry. Make it look cool. All right. I, but yeah, I already gonna, have an idea for yours. I'm going to pitch it right now. It is uh, Free Willy jumping over for his freedom. And it has your head <laughs> on Free Willy. Nah, There's nah, a lot nah, of nah, symbolism nah. with it. You're free. You're free. Yeah, from that's true. I am free. Free from the local politics. You're a free man. But somehow, like Godfather 3, once I thought it was out, they pulled me back. <laughs> right back. <laughs> so that's all I'm back in the mix here. But yeah, guys, thanks a lot for having me on. Um, you know, my I got one sponsor, show your role. And, uh, you know, guys at Flow Grappling, big thank you to them for uh, allowing me to contribute and, and, and do my podcast and stuff like that. And um, that's about it, guys. Yeah, thanks again. And hopefully, you know, COVID's over soon. and I'll see you guys at a tournament and you guys are, you know, uh, uh, doing autographs because your podcast just blew up on Spotify like Joe Rogan on a Sunday the, night. The, the dozens and dozens of fans that we're going to get from this. That's it. That's it. I'll be sharing this so you'll get at least 10. <laughs> that's that's going to be up uh, 500% uh, of, all the, uh, of all the views that we've had. That's awesome. No, I would be really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. No problem. And once again, you know what? Let's do it again. I think we should, like, you guys, we could do this again. And I could tell you guys stories you wouldn't even believe from the old days. And and I got I got some stuff to I got some stuff to say on the on your podcast. Let's do this again. Oh, Let's yeah, do this again. Sure. And then we'll do like maybe like a throwback old school. I actually was uh pitching this to like Dan Maroney and some others, like take like a a snapshot in time and then we kind of discuss like between like this this time and this time oh yeah i got some stories in the canadian <laughs> opens for you guys Stay like i've seen front. some things i've seen some things that you all <laughs> you'll never believe what i've seen in the <laughs> <Hamilton>. <laughs> all right guys all right take care take care guys